0: faithwire.com
1: president biden knows inflation and higher prices are really hitting home for the average american we'll tell you how coming up in just a second today's thursday november 11th 2021 i'm dan andros have this top story and more on today's four and three podcast from cbn's faithwire four big stories three things you need to know about them all from a christian perspective that's what we do here you can find us on itunes we're here Monday through Friday. Would love to have you with us. Joining me, as always, Trey Phillips and Billy Hallowell from CBN's Faithwire. What's going on, fellas?
2: Doing well, doing well. How are you? You know,
0: it's uh <laughs>
1: it's Thursday. We're getting there, so we're getting through the week. It's right. a crazy week and a lot going on.
0: It's uh Friday Junior, so we're getting <laughs> we're getting close to the weekend. So uh I'm gonna be talking about the moderna vaccine because if uh forcing kids elementary age kids to get the vaccine wasn't enough uh, moderna is set to begin trials on infants uh this uh this upcoming uh, month Uh, so yeah that'll be that'll be interesting we'll see what kind of response that gets but we'll have the details on that yeah and I'm going to be talking about a pastor
2: and this is a guy who's turning 100 in the next week here. So this is a guy who's still at the pulpit at 100 years old and he's crediting Jesus for his longevity. We're going to tell his cool story.
1: Wow, I, I would love to hear that. 100 100 years old. I would love to look at some of these uh, uh, some of these sermons that he's doing online. Those He's are, on Facebook too. He Facebooks. Yeah, those are probably some epic <laughs> sermons. So Alright, let's uh, let's let's dive in right in first uh, with story number one, which is uh, Joe Biden apparently apparently keenly aware of uh, the fact that Americans are not thrilled right now with the way things are going in the economy. Here's three things you need to know, starting with number one, the details. Well, I mean, everyone is feeling just the cost of average things go up, and the statistics are backing that up. The Consumer Price Index, the CPI It rose 6.2% in October year over year. That's according to the Labor Department data that they released yesterday. It also rose almost a percent from September. That's the largest gain in four months. And these are both uh, numbers that are kind of raising some red flags because they exceeded all of these uh, estimates from some of the experts here. And so Joe Biden now apparently realizes this because he's out speaking on it and some of the things he's saying is trying to it's kind of clear that he's trying to uh sort of sympathize with the things that average americans are experiencing so here's here's uh, some of what he said um uh this week
3: and the irony is people have more money now because of the first late, major piece of legislation i passed you all got checks for 1400 you got checks for a whole range of things if you're a mom and you have kids under the age of seven, you're getting 300 bucks a month, and if it's over, over seven to 17, you're getting $360 a month, like wealthy people used to do when they get back tax returns. It changed people's lives. But what happens if there's nothing to buy and you got more money you compete for getting it there, it's, it creates a real problem. So on the one hand, we're facing new disruptions to our supplies. At the same time, we're also experiencing higher demand for goods because wages are up, as well as as well as people have money in the bank.
1: Did you follow all that? Um, (laughs) uh, So Joe Biden trying to explain the economic situation right now, but interesting that he kind of gave a shout back to the fourteen hundred dollars. I guess is a reference to this early stimulus checks, but that was over a year ago, guys. And um, you know, fourteen hundred dollars is not exactly an amount of money that's going to last forever. Um and it, it, it seems to be he's treating this as some sort of you know this is hey you got 1400 bucks you you guys are good to go. I mean retire, sit on it. <laughs> um so uh so that was an interesting vibe there but uh, he went on to talk too and he uh, about some of the rising prices and he um mentioned gas prices. Here's another clip.
3: The 19-day, excuse me, COVID-19 has changed the way we spend our time and our money. More products are being delivered than ever before. That's because people have a little more breathing room than they did last year. And that's a good thing. But it also means we've got higher demand for goods at the same time we're facing disruptions in the supplies to make those goods. There's a re- This is a recipe for delays and for higher prices. And people are feeling it. They're feeling it. Is everything you're paying this much for a gallon of gas? In some parts of California, they're paying $4.50 a gallon. That's why it's so important that we do everything on our power to stabilize the supply chain.
1: It's amazing that he mentions the gas prices. Uh, but, <laughs> hey, yeah, yeah, have you seen this? You know, very uh, Jay Leno-esque there. But I mean, remember, one of Biden's first moves as president was to <laughs> sort of appease the climate change mob. And revoke permits to the Keystone Pipeline, so he shut that down, um, and you know that was a again a red flag for energy prices and you know climate um, advocates, you know for climate uh, change uh, bills and all all of those sorts of uh, activist sort of things related to climate change. They they celebrated it as a landmark moment, um, and then again the White House made news in the Biden administration uh, earlier this week saying that they wanted to potentially shut down the l5 pipeline from michigan to canada i mean this is right ahead of winter and they initially said oh that's not accurate and steve ducey from fox uh or peter ducey from fox news was questioning uh, the administration on that and they said well that's not accurate he said what do you mean it's not accurate he said well we don't want to shut it down yeah we're we're studying the impacts of what would happen if we shut it down but We're not wanting it. So a little bit of word games there. But the point being, clearly, the administration is taking actions that are having direct impacts on things like gas prices and inflation. Um, But Biden trying to message as if this is just one of those things that's happening for for no reason. Um, So in result, in in light of all this, Joe Biden is uh, saying that um, he's directing his top economic aides to focus on energy costs and reducing them um, and so because he's blaming that for accelerating inflation and you know all of these things are obviously connected Um, we'll see if they make the connection in all of their studying but senator joe manchin said that by all accounts the threat posed by record inflation to the american people is not quote-unquote transitory and it is getting worse Um, from the grocery store to the gas pump americans know the inflation tax is real and dc can no longer ignore the economic pain that Americans feel every day. And, and uh, I think he's probably spot on on that. And number three here, guys, why does it matter? Well, I know, I know we're all living large off of the 16 cents we saved on July 4th, guys, um, from the, if you all remember the cookout graphic, but I mean, this is people don't like spending money for, you know, and not only just don't like it, but many can't afford all of these rising costs. And so, um, you know this is real pain that americans are feeling and uh i think biden addressing this because th- these are the sorts of things guys high gas pre- you don't want to acknowledge this if you're the president because true or not you're going to get blamed for it and so you you try to ignore it but it's obviously reached a point where he can't ignore it anymore
2: hmm well, yeah, I was going to say that there are a bunch of headlines right now that people are shopping at discount stores at a much higher rate. There's a huge surge in that. And that's evidence that people are not affording things at regular stores. So they're yeah. going, I mean, I love a good discount store to begin with, but the fact that more people are shopping there um, is concerning. And also, you know, it's great that we save that 16 cents, but we know that Thanksgiving <laughs> is going to be the most expensive Thanksgiving in oh, the history yeah. of man. So, <laughs> and now they're talking about meat prices going up this, this, This is a crisis for any politician because most people, obviously there are other factors, but most people vote based on whether or not there's money in their pocket. That's why they vote. And, of course, the election, the midterms are coming, and then you have a presidential election in 2024, which feels far away. But if this stuff doesn't get remedied, it's really going to hurt him. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, and a lot of this too, too just has long-term ramifications, right? So even if there seems to be like a fix or something's going in the right direction, it's going to take a while for people to recover from what's already happened. So they're still—that's still, still going to be on their mind, even if the economy's getting better. But they're still in the tank. Then it's going to be like you know, well, you keep saying the economy's getting better, but I haven't seen any evidence of that yet. Um, so and then also, you know it's odd how politicians behave sometimes right like obviously this is a complex thing the the gas prices and the inflation and all of that there there are several factors here but they like politicians create a crisis and then they act as if the crisis is separate and apart from them and we have to solve this crisis it's like (laughs) your your administration and your policies is the one that exacerbated this mess Uh, so now you're going to step in and save the day from the problem that you created (laughs) I right. like I guess thank you right thanks for your help um, but
1: but no thanks um, it would have yeah.
0: been better just to avoid the crisis to begin with but you know that's just a regular person <laughs> not a politician talking right. It often feels so, like
2: they don't even know what's... It often feels like Biden is finding out about policies as people are questioning him. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, yeah. it feels like the entire administration is that way. It's like, oh, wait, what do you mean? I didn't know about that. Or, oh, we'll look into that. Or so-and-so right. told me to talk to you first. You it's, know, it's just yeah. strange.
1: Well, some would say that Biden's finding out about them as he reads them on the prompter. But that's not me. <laughs> I'm just saying. Some, some people say that. <laughs> it's just the rumor. Just know, the rumor. On just Twitter. Rumor. Allegedly. <laughs> anyway
0: so uh all right, story number two so uh the biotechnology company moderna one of the the top uh vaccine creators for covid nineteen uh is beginning large scale testing or they're about to begin large scale testing uh, of its covid nineteen vaccine on infants. Uh, so here are three things you need to know. We'll start with the details. So the vaccine clinical trial, it's called Kid Cove, uh, is being carried out at 79 locations across 13 states uh, in the U.S., and it's going to involve about 13,275 uh, patients between the ages of six months and 11 years old. Uh, In its entirety. So the first phase was already completed. And that involved kids between the ages of six and less than 12 years old. Uh, It's now reportedly the study in its second phase uh, between kids aged two years old and less than six years old. And then the third trial, which is not yet to be to be done, is the, the headline grabbing one. Uh, it'll be the final stage of the of the trial, and it'll include it will include children ages six months to less than two years old. Um, so in August, trial administrators uh, amassed all the participants they needed uh, for each stage. So this has been in in the planning phase for for a little while, and now they're they're really you know getting going on it. Um, So participants in the clinical trial are going to be given two injections, just like everybody else has been, like traditionally, in their upper arm about 28 days or a month apart. And then they're going to be asked to return with their guardian to the study site for at least four follow-up appointments over the next 13 months, according to KidCove, to determine what kind of reactions they're having, if any. Um, So according to the website, they say the primary purpose of the KidCov study is to test the safety and effectiveness of the study vaccine called mRNA-1273 that may protect children between the ages of six months to less than 12 years old from getting sick if they come into contact with uh, SARS-CoV-2, which causes COVID-19. So number two here. this has just been an issue that's gotten a lot of pushback, and I'd be interested to see what their reaction is going to be, because parents have already been, even we talked about yesterday about Matthew McConaughey mcconaughey who has three kids and said hey there's not enough information yet it hasn't been out there long enough Uh, there's a potential risk for myocarditis particularly with young boys uh, teenage boys Uh, so he's holding off right now on vaccinating his kids and look he said he's vaccinated but he's he's just waiting on his kids there are a lot of parents who are saying the same parents who are concerned about schools requiring these COVID vaccines uh so there's there's already a lot of pushback so I'd be interested to see what kind of reaction parents are going to have when they see that there's a now a trial from Moderna uh, that's going to be testing this on on Infants as young as six months old, I, I just can't imagine that's going to go well. So, it, as far as why it matters, like this is just something that should be left up to parents. When you're, particularly when you're, when you're talking about kids, I mean, they're that young. Uh, this isn't something we should be be forcing on our kids. And I've, I don't know about y'all. I'll get y'all's thoughts. So, the the argument has always been, well, we we require all these other vaccinations, but the other vaccinations that have been required at the state level have been out or they were out for like six years and 16 years. I can't remember the exact time timetable, but they were out for several years before they became requirements. Uh, Whereas this one is just a year. So I I think it's a bit of a a misnomer to say, well, we require all these other vaccines like the uh, MMR vaccine, for example, we require this. So why shouldn't we also require COVID? And I just think it's comparing apples and oranges. Yeah.
1: And, And it's also just bad logic too, because it's like, you know, what you, you can't, um, th- I'm just saying if there's something wrong, right. Like let's just take something. Well, I mean, America, you know, also owned slaves before. I, I mean, th- th- just because right. you did something before does not make it right. You know? Yeah, so exactly. so it's just a, it's just a false sort of appeal like to, you know, appealing to the past um, to go to the future. So uh, to me, that's not a strong argument as to why we should do something because we were doing it in the past. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, it, Saying there's precedent, fine. But to your point, it is not the same. It is completely different. Um, And, you know, that's I think the main hesitation is people are just like, well, I don't want to be the lab rat. I don't want to be the experiment. I'm certainly not going to make my kids be the experiment.
2: Yeah, no, I had a friend who was very opposed to getting the vaccine. He waited a year and just got it. He said, look, for me, I feel like a year was enough, you know, but kids, kids are another story. And obviously, if you're an adult, you have the ability to make the decision while in some places they're mandating it. But many of us have the right to make the decision of whether or not we want to actually, you know, get this vaccine and we might be willing to take that acceptable risk chance. Now, of course, do I think there's some conspiracy or major problem with the vaccine No, I personally don't. I am vaccinated, but do I want to run out and get my six and nine-year-old vaccinated right now when there's been no real evidence of any sort of long-term safety for children who are still growing and developing? No, I don't. It's a hard sell. Um, Right. I I just think, I think that you have to give parents, I think McConaughey is 100% right on this. You have to give parents the ability to sort of wait and see, because guess what? There's a lot of money at hand here. There's a lot of money, monetary exchange going on, and this is a massive business. And that always gives me pause. I, I will say, I think you know sometimes it's people on the left who talk about drug companies and money. Why is nobody really talking about that right now? This is a major. You know, I, I'm yeah, I'm sure there are other there are other tests. Like, why can't you test out if you you know have antibodies because you had COVID? Why is that not something that's being offered? to people. You know, you have to start asking these questions. I think there's a lot on the table there to explore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I agree completely. The lack of intellectual curiosity with this, particularly from reporters, has been bizarre to me because certainly like big pharma up until 2020 was like a huge topic that the media wanted to cover. And nowadays it's like, well, if Pfizer says we need it. We all just need to go ahead and you know they know best so let's just roll up our yeah, sleeves and i'll it. get it it's just why are, i i understand that it might be best medically uh that that's fine to have that have that view but why are why are there no like you said billy why are there no questions also being raised like i think we can do both at the same time
2: yeah no yeah a hundred percent i mean there should be no reason why we can't no and the, and that and i to me that freedom of making
1: your own decision it's scary when you when people are willing to throw that aside. It reminds me of that story we covered years ago. I believe it was Charlie Gard and a couple of those mm-hmm. stories from the UK where these parents weren't allowed to take their child who was deemed terminally ill and that they weren't going to be able to be saved. And so the parents said, okay, thanks for your assessment, but we're going to take them to another hospital here, you know, out of country. And they're like, no, you can't. And they actually weren't allowed to do it. The courts were saying that it, they weren't allowed to do it. So. To me, that's if that's the road you want to go down. Be ready for that kind of stuff because you're you're handing over your ability to make a health decision for yourself, right or wrong. Um, that sure seems like that's something we have valued in the past that that we have a right to make our own decisions, even if other people don't like the decisions we're making.
2: But and it's the inconsistency of all of it. That is the maddening part. I went and got vaccinated when I could. I'm not anti-vax. I've worn masks when I'm told to wear them, but. But there's even inconsistencies there. But I think the biggest one, and I just mentioned it, but I want to reaffirm it because I think it's important. If you are mandating that people have a vaccine in order to come into into the workplace, and there are people who have COVID and they have antibodies, and those antibodies, some studies have shown are stronger, some haven't, of course, like everything else, there's confusing data. But why are those people not allowed to test out with those antibodies until they you know don't have them anymore these are real questions that are not being answered is it because there's not a monetary value to that that somebody can't profit off of it? i don't know i'm not know. even saying that's true but i'm it makes me want to know more because it doesn't quite make sense
1: yeah absolutely all right let's uh let's move on billy what do you got for uh, story number three
2: well, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit of a different tone here, but it's uh, it's about this amazing World War II combat vet and pastor. Now, this is a guy who is turning 100 years old on November 18th. His name is Jack Hetzel. And Jack Hetzel isn't just like this old guy turning 100. He's an old guy who's still at the pulpit. He's still preaching. And he's had this amazing life He's from Texas, and he's been speaking out to media just about what he credits his longevity to. You know, he's it's going to be his centennial celebration in a week, and he's basically saying it's because of God. God has been so good to allow him to live to 100, and I love he has this quote where he's like, I think I'm going to make it to 112, but I'm ready to go anytime, uh, and so he's just got all this life in him, but but here's here's the thing with his story that really stuck out to me. He was in the headlines over the summer, and you may recall this. He got at age 99. He had ha- He had gotten a GED in 1948, but he always wanted his high school diploma. He earned his high school diploma this past summer and went to graduation, had the cap and gown on. This is a guy who just has not given up, and is still, again, delivering sermons. He has a church. He shows up every Sunday and delivers a sermon, and then he goes to another church to go and get to to know other people. He believes it's important to continue um, getting to meet people. It's just an incredible story, and he served again in World War II. He was in five major battles in World War II, and it was during that time that he started preaching, he would actually fill in for the chaplains sometimes. And then after that he felt called um, by God to preach. And it's interesting because obviously reporters were asking him, well, why aren't you retiring? Like, why have you not stopped? And he said, quote, if God puts some person, why would you retire from it? I don't minister. I am a minister. I don't like to vote to vacate. I like to do what I'm doing. It was such a great, Mm -hmm. such a great quote. Now, now, here's, here's why this matters, okay? These these amazing stories. This is a guy who has persevered. He has gone on and on and on throughout his life. He has never stopped. He has never really you know, looked back in any sort of negative way. What he's done is move forward. What 99-year-old? I mean, think about this. Most people at that point, they're done. They're not going to try to get a high school diploma, <laughs> yeah. right? They're not going to preach at their church every Sunday. <laughs> so it's just a really cool perseverance lesson for all of us, and so I wanted to highlight it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's
1: fantastic. And uh, I mean, it's it's almost impossible not to be inspired by a life like that. And I'm always fascinated, just, just World War II veterans alone, just that is, you know, treasure these people while they're still here because there's very few mm-hmm. left. And, you know, it's not going to be many more years before there aren't any left, you know, and um, it's just... It's really quite something to listen to their experiences, to learn from somebody like this. I mean, you said he got his diploma, and I'm thinking, gosh, can you imagine what he could teach <laughs> all of these kids uh, at school today just about life? And, um, you know, you think 100 years, it's it's incredible to think what, what people like that have lived through growing up in the, the era of the Great Depression and then going through a world war yeah, and and then civil rights and that whole mess and and just you know and then the, the progress after that I, it's just amazing I mean there's so much you can learn and, and like you said to see him still going at 99 is just it's just really great
0: he yeah I mean this is it's it's a great example of somebody running the race well like um, you know living his life to the fullest and and using uh, every bit of life available to him uh, to be ministering to people to be bettering himself um, you know to to just be pursuing. Uh, the kingdom. It seems like. I mean, it seems like someone who he seems like a guy who is just truly, uh, genuinely, uh, you know, living what he believes to be the right thing. Like he's just doing the next right thing, uh, and even at ninety nine, he's not stopping doing that. He's created a lifestyle of just doing what he knows is right. He sees what's in front of him and he goes after it, uh, and he's he's doing that as long as he's as long as as long as he's here, and that's admirable.
1: Yeah, and I think I mean, guys, you we as society we like to lift up like the famous people and. The ones that get out there Uh, when you when we get to heaven i I like to think that this is the type of person that's Mm going to be kind of have an elevated you know
0: he'll be the celebrity yeah
1: they'll be the celebrity (laughs) there right these people that you don't know like you know somebody who absolutely nobody knows but the amazing things they did um you know you think of the woman who gave her last two cents you know in the bible and jesus says that one was a better gift because It was all she had, right? Things like that that are counterintuitive to us here. Um, I think on the other side, we're going to see things a whole lot differently.
2: Yeah, no, 100%. And by the way, he had a third grade education before he got his GED. So that is, you know, it's just, it's crazy. He was born in West Monroe, Louisiana, which is actually where the Duck Dynasty family (laughs) is from. Um, And Dan, you've been there. I've been there. Um, And so it's just, it's fascinating. He also taught, even though he didn't have a degree, right? He taught at, I think he taught military science at Texas A&M at one point. So it just goes to show you nothing holds you back when you persevere. Absolutely. All right. Hey,
1: guys, we got a couple minutes here left, and so I wanted to run through a headline. If you've got another story you want to bring up, just shout it out here. The one I wanted to start with here was, uh, and I hate to do it. I hate to do it, but I'm going to do it. But uh, trending today on Twitter after something I saw last night was uh, Mr. LeBron James. After his tweet, guys, um, USA Today tweeted the moment in the courthouse yesterday with Kyle Rittenhouse of him breaking down into an emotional just reaction and had to take a recess. Here's what LeBron James responded with on that. He said, what tears? I didn't see one man. Knock it off. That boy ate some lemon heads before walking into court. Laughter emojis. So basically trying to insinuate there that he was faking it. Um, I've just, I left speechless. This is the same LeBron James who um, reacted to the officer who, um, saved a an African-American woman's life who was about to be stabbed by another African-American woman. And so the officer shot the attacker. And LeBron had tweeted with, you're next, next to a, a picture of the police officer. So uh, I don't understand what LeBron James is thinking
2: here, guys. Well, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, I'm, he's, you know, it's it's so vitriolic, and Twitter is really the place for all of our thoughts that should never be shared. Apparently, it because it's it just it, it doesn't end. It's. It really, you know, you think about Jesus saying their love will grow cold. Like Twitter is like Elsa's, you know, ice castle. It's the (laughs) the worst place in the world. And it just, I don't, I don't understand why people have these hot takes because you would think somebody like him would think what I'm saying right now is going to reverberate. It's going to invigorate some people in the wrong direction. It's going to hurt people. And yet there's no thought about it. No compassion, just complete frigid awfulness.
0: Yeah and I can't help but always remember uh, during Trump's presidency that he was so hated by so many people on the left who are you know fall along along the same political lines as LeBron James who thought about how all of his words are inciting violence uh, he's he's really callous, creating a insen- problem with like Yeah, he's super (laughs) insensitive with what he tweets. It's irresponsible. It's just a hateful thing for a a president to say. And I get it. He's the president. So you can say that that's different. But the same moral code applies to everybody, whether you're the president or a superstar NBA uh, player uh, or a regular person uh, who has hardly any Twitter following like me. Uh, Like whoever you are, uh, the same moral compass and code applies to you. Uh, So it just kind of seems hypocritical that's like – Okay, just a year and a half ago, you were calling out Trump for being so hateful and just his tweets similar to these uh, were inciting violence and it was just wrong for anybody to say. Uh, But then when it's politically convenient, you're happy to sound off when you should just uh, keep your mouth shut or keep your fingers from moving on the keyboard.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Are you guys got any other ones we want to hit before we head out of here on this uh, Friday, Junior?
2: I was just going to point people to the to the little baby um, who, it's just yeah. such a cool story. He's basically the most premature baby to ever survive, and we covered him over at Faithwire. He had virtually no chance of survival. No baby has ever been born at 21 weeks, one day, and survived. Mm. And he's defied, and this is a quote from the doctors, he defied all scientific odds. And because of this little boy named Curtis, they're going to be able to study other babies like this, right? And maybe help them. So it's one of those things. And the cool thing, he was born, right? But the kid before him who held the record, because he actually set a Guinness record with this birth and survival, um, was like one day younger than him. Um, so it, like, it's just it, like the dial just keeps getting turned back on um, these children. And so it's pretty amazing to well,
1: see. Will, the, will um, the, the pro-choice crowd have to move their... Line of viability by a day. I mean, their arbitrary line of when a life becomes a life.
2: Well, it sounds like it seems like they don't even want to determine that anymore. No.
1: like Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah we've moved on from that. we've
1: moved on. We've moved on.
0: <laughs> but really, it is. It's an incredible story. I mean, and just a beautiful, a beautiful little boy. Definitely go check that out.
1: All right. Trey, you got any more or should we uh should we head on well, out to the
0: sunset? There is one. Of, it's a uh, Kanye West.
1: Uh-oh. Oh, uh, no. he.
0: He's always kind of just, I don't know. He, he's he's, an he's out not there guy boring. As knows. He's not boring. Yeah, Let's he's definitely not boring. Yeah. So he thinks he's, he and his estranged wife, soon-to-be ex-wife, uh, Kim Kardashian, they've been to Israel several times. Uh, and now he's, uh, he's saying that uh, Christians in the U.S. should adopt an Israel custom uh, called kibbutz. Uh, He says, uh, so I I had to look it up because I wasn't all that versed on what uh, on what it is. So it's it's a type of settlement uh, that's unique to Israel, a collective community. It's usually uh, agrarian. Uh, The first one was in 1910. Uh, There are now over 270 kibbutz uh, communities in Israel. Uh, So it's, it's, it's all centered around an agricultural life and they kind of rely on one another. They create little communities. A lot of times you'll have extended family members, grandparents, great grandparents, aunts and uncles kind of living with you. Uh, It's just really like compounds essentially from what I can understand, just families living in the same community. Uh, So anyway, he says that uh, we need to uh, adopt that in the United States. Uh, That's how uh, Americans need to live. Uh, And this was uh, funny. Uh, The, the, uh, kibbutz movement which kind of oversees the majority of them uh, they responded to him saying this on a podcast and they said yo kanye strip clubs are out of the question but you're more than welcome to drop by and visit our kibbutz here in the holy land (laughs) Uh, so so they just you know they want to they want to work together with him but i think a lot of it stems from 2013 Uh, this is according to the times of israel uh, when kim kardashian bought a quartz countertop from a kibbutz in israel uh, and uh, that that purchase ultimately led to a partnership between that Kibbutz, uh, their company there, and uh, IKEA, uh, and they now distribute their product here in the United States. Uh, so they've they, it's a crazy story, but the, yeah. the Kardashians and the Wests and uh, this uh, that one Kibbutz in Israel, uh, they've been friends and have kept up over the years, and now uh, uh, I, I say- think. Uh, you know it's
1: it's an interesting thing because um I don't think I mean people are laughing about it but I, I actually don't I think there's a lot of wisdom not a bad in, idea you know? like because we have <clears throat> excuse me we have a couple friends who they bought um intentionally bought you know a house with a property with land so there's a decent amount of land uh, over there in New Jersey and um build his own house but they keep kind of like expanding you know they they've added like living quarters, like little mini apartments kind of basically attached to it. So we always joke and call it the compound. but but the, it's enabled them to have they have a bunch of sons and um, they just are able to start their lives there and they you know they they can live in an apartment kind of on their own, quote unquote but but yeah. um I, so I think there's a lot of wisdom in the whole extended family thing. I I think it's a I, it, it's actually like an outlier, I think, in world history, the way we live indivi- so individually. And yeah. I think we make it way harder on ourselves than it needs to be
2: yeah I mean you got like built-in babysitters if you're living with your other family <laughs> members. well
0: and that's what he said he said you know we we hire these people to to be nannies right. or whatever he said that he said that's hired love like yeah. people who really it's, love you have your grandparents watching your kids you know whatever well yeah yeah, I I
1: mean. yeah and I just think like yeah like property like if you buy one property and you split it up a bunch a, a, a bunch of amongst a bunch of family members and then, you know, build your own houses on there and stuff like it's just, you can, because we don't realize how much in debt is really kind of like, it's kind of like slavery in a way, it, you know, in a obviously not comparing it to forced slavery, but in a way you're kind of beholden to that debt. Like you, you have to make decisions based on this debt that you have in a big house or cars or whatever the case may be. Now you're forced to, you know, have to work, and and earn this amount of money and and do certain things that maybe you wouldn't do otherwise if uh, you didn't have those debts. So it's definitely food for thought. I, I think uh, you know it's it's certainly an interesting uh, conversation to have. Yeah. You guys move into a kibbutz anytime soon, or I, I just sell a
2: word. It? I think I just want to keep saying
1: it over want... and over again.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a good word to say.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, food for thought. We'll see if any kibbutzes start popping up maybe kanye will create the first so uh who knows i don't know he started a moving choir out of nowhere too so a a roaming choir so stranger things have been done all right that is all the time we have for this episode and we'll be back here tomorrow with more news from a christian perspective head on over to faithwire.com cbnnews.com for more god bless see you back here tomorrow